Quick shout out and thank you to our gold sponsors in EQT Ventures and Amaze, without which we would cease to exist. It has come to our attention that a mysterious force is loose somewhere in outer space. Welcome to Talk Tank. Our guest this week explains how we can give unused fish waste a role to play in our world. What follows is a glimpse into the journey of Susanna Evans, a PhD fellow who has spent the entirety of her higher education at Cambridge University, from being a participant in the Startup Accelerator Entrepreneur First to her experiences with imposter syndrome, she had a lot to shed light on. Cue the intro music. description of what your business does and maybe the problem like if you could frame it through the problem that you were trying to address okay well I'm working with UD who I met at Cambridge University and basically when we were working together we always felt that sustainability is like a massive problem for our generation and in particular the fashion industry is always getting bad press and you know you see around you fast fashion and loads of clothes just piled up you know that no one's wearing anymore and then we focused on leather because leather in particular often gets a bad press and it's quite water intensive to produce um, requires rearing of cows which gets a bad press as well <laughs> and um, yeah we decided we, we thought you know, there must be a better way to do this that's more sustainable. And when we started talking to fashion designers, we realised that they all see this as a problem as well. They all want to use more sustainable materials. Um, but it's really important that they don't sacrifice the quality of the materials they're using. So this is what led us to what we're working on. And we wanted to make a material that resembles the quality of genuine leather, but without the environmental credentials yeah. <laughs> so basically then we looked into what leather really is and it's mostly by by dry mass the majority is this protein called collagen so we were looking for sources rich in collagen and we realized that there's a massive abundance of it in fishing waste so we started using this to create a leather substitute material I really admire the business idea because I was like looking into the fashion industry, as I'm sure you've done, yeah. and apparently it's like the second biggest polluting industry yeah. thing in the world, like just just obviously after oil and gas. Yeah, so I, um, from like my reading, um, I read that like 10% of the global greenhouse gas emissions are attributed to the fashion industry. And I don't know all the figures off the top of my head, but you know, <laughs> I did, I think transport's only, you know, less than fifteen percent, something like this. Mm, I heard that. Like, I think yeah. So, you know, that seems ridiculous given, yeah, you know how visible transport is in our daily lives. But then that you know that's also something that makes you realise it's actually quite scary that 
often you just don't realise what's actually going on in the world. <laughs> yeah. And it's so easy to kind of attack the things that are visible to us, you know? Uh, <laughs> so how did you, I mean, I guess, like, like what, why did you choose this then if it was, like, almost out of mind, you know? Um, I guess it, it was, like, an area that, that we recognised could be, you know, improved on. And I guess <laughs> it, it was a, it was a visible thing, you know. You there's a lot of news. For instance, it's like the whole plastics in the news. That's like super visible, but in reality, the amount of waste generated from plastics is not as big as I don't know, like construction waste, for instance. Yeah. But yeah. I guess because plastics aren't biodegradable, you know, there's other issues around it. But it's become such a visible media thing and you know everyone for instance attacking plastic straws in reality the amount <laughs> of plastic straws is probably really insignificant but because yeah. it's something that you can so easily see and be like oh yeah i use a straw every time i have a drink it's really easy to yeah. attack that um i think it's also like the fact that it invokes such an emotional response when you see like a turtle and like yeah connect you know that you know you've seen the video yeah, yeah. and they pull it out the nose yeah oh god <laughs> oh that's so good um so for you your main like clients or whatever the people you supply your products to would be fashion brands from our initial conversations it seems that designers and luxury designers are interested in this material um, but we're a long way from producing it at scale, so you know we have to just wait and see what happens. And you know we're not generating revenue yet. We're a startup. We, we've, you know, we've only started lab work in January, so <laughs> yeah, it's still very early days for us. But this is our target and vision for the future. Um, so to give our listeners some background, Susanna Evans is incredibly intelligent. <laughs> Alice spent all of her higher education at Cambridge University. Um, yeah, and you've got even got a PhD, which is slightly ridiculous. Um, so something you mentioned, an obstacle that you had to encounter, and something you mentioned that a lot of females face in oh, yeah. higher education yeah. um, is imposter syndrome. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk about, I don't know, yeah. how, you, how you feel about it? <laughs> no, I don't know, yeah, like yeah. your experience with um, it and how you overcome it. Or yeah, so I think, um, yeah, I think it's like really common, I think. I don't know. I think pretty much everyone must have felt it at some point in their life. And if they haven't, I don't know, maybe they're just a psychopath. Like, I don't know. <laughs> um, oh. Or, you know, they must just be like such a confident person that that's just amazing. That's um, <laughs> um, but yeah, you, especially when you're, you know, I got a, when I first got my place at Cambridge, um, like I remember coming coming from the school I came from where it was very much, you were very directed in how to study, learn, revise, and you know, doing your A-levels, it was like, you will do these revision questions, you will do this by tomorrow, and you know, you'd go home, do your homework, and it'd be fine, you just find yourself learning, and it was quite straightforward, and then you get to university and you're like, 
our lecture and there's no one to really ask mm. you know you can't just put your hand up in this lecture of like 400 students without <laughs> <laughs> like um, some severe anxiety yeah <laughs> so like it completely changes and then like my first term I remember finding it really quite difficult to adapt to that new way of learning and you know then you start having self-doubt you're like oh why am I here like I'm not clever enough for this like I've been there's been some mistake like how did I get here and you know then you know you can put those feelings to the back of your mind and then you just carry on um and I mean it did improve like my my first year you know I gradually got more the hang of how to work at uni um but I mean yeah you're doing a PhD now (laughs) but you know it's a learning it's a learning process it's completely different from being in school and that can make you feel doubtful especially when you're surrounded by all these other clever people and you know you talk to someone you're like oh I really don't understand this question they're like oh well I just (laughs) it's like oh right so it was really easy for you then it's like you've been hanging out with dicks (laughs) no but not not dicks you know they'd then be like oh I do it like this and you're like wow you just knew that and it was it seemed you know the way you say it's just so straightforward and then it, you, you know, you can always just doubt yourself, but really, you know, then you start to get the hang of it and you realise, oh, you know, I should actually be here, you know, stop putting myself down. And then I think, um, for instance, like being an, being an entrepreneur and having this feeling of, you know, slightly doubting yourself and questioning whether you should actually be where you are, I think it made me quite risk averse as a person mm. um but then i think as i got a bit older and a bit more self-reflective and realized that it's totally normal for people to have these feelings and it's just about realizing that it doesn't even matter if you're there by mistake because <laughs> the fact is you are there so you may as well just do the best you can and then i guess that change in attitude made me feel more like actually I can do this and um taking a risk is actually quite exciting and (laughs) you know you should just go for it if you see an opportunity rather than questioning whether you know you're actually good enough or yeah should I actually be here yeah um, I I was going to say I had like a similar thing and um it was actually like compounded by the the fact that I like, I only realised this recently, but I had this feeling of, like, there's a right way to do something. And it, like, led to so much indecision in my life. But then I kind of was reflecting, <laughs> growing old and reflecting. Yeah, yeah. And I, I yeah, I realised that, kind of, if you have your priorities and, kind of, like, your values set, um, then it kind of makes it, I don't know, easier. Like, you can kind of be more confident in your decisions, especially because, like, being right and wrong, that's, like, so subjective. Yeah, and I, yeah, definitely. And I think, especially nowadays, it's like everyone's always saying that our generation are going to be changing the careers, their career paths the most, you know, out of any generation yet. And it seems like our paths are less well defined than you know all the generations where you had the standard kind of yeah. start a family yeah <laughs> like, that's so true um buy a house like. do you feel like that's because we're obviously facing a lot more like 
societal problems or maybe we're more aware of that or do you think it's just because like like the paradox of choice like you know what's available so now you like feel the pressure to try and explore everything I think um, I guess generally like society is becoming more open to how do you call them like alternative lifestyles but you know you don't just have to have you know uh, yeah. husband, wife, children yeah. um, and also there's I feel like there's way more kind of the world's just become way more international and that's also mm. changed people's working styles, you know it's more working from home or travel um, but I also think our generation are having face with you know the <laughs> issues of we, we it's very unlikely that we're going to own a house you know, by the time we're 30, whereas our parents had a lot more opportunities to do that, so it seems a bit more well-defined that you could actually just settle down. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, on, on the flip side, that means that we have more flexibility because if we knew we are going to be renting, then just go wherever, you know? <laughs> I, mean, yeah. I, think, I think it's scary not to have, you know... Well, you can still follow a well-defined path, but... It's also more exciting if, you know... Yeah, right? I feel like it's becoming even, like... Like, it would be less fulfilling to do that. Is there anything that you feel... I don't know, do you sometimes feel like you're... Uh, like, trapped? Not trapped, but, like, you know, you... Like, obviously, there's so much risk-taking involved yeah. in entrepreneurship that you kind of feel like, oh, like, this is my career path now. And, like, everything I... I don't want to make you feel anxious, <laughs> but... Like everything I do now is like for this success, right? Yeah, I think I think you can feel like trapped in anything you're doing. But obviously, you know, yeah. um I have more of like a vested interest in this because, you know, if it whether we succeed or fail, you know, it's like I've dedicated a lot of time and you know, if I was you know, given my qualifications and stuff, I could just be doing something else where I could earn more money now. Mm. But, you know, that's not to say, like, my earning potential with this in the future, if it's a successful business and having equity in it, you know, then that gives more potential for the future. But, you know, obviously it's not all about the money. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, right. you know, it's, it is a kind of... It's definitely a, a, a more... I'd say it's a more stressful career path to yeah. take. You know, you've got... Um, less financial stability there's a lot more uncertainty like you don't even know really what like is going to be happening in six months yeah. um, and but but you know with those two things you've got autonomy um, kind of it's more rewarding to know that you know you're doing this and you're this working of your co-founder and it's it's kind of like your child, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. it's, some, it's something that you've, you're, yeah, you're, you've, you've created yourselves, um, you know, this, yeah. this feeling of ownership. Um, we haven't really covered Entrepreneur First, I feel oh, like yeah. maybe we should. <laughs> okay, so you joined an accelerator called yeah. Entrepreneur First, yeah. uh, which is, okay, you say the lifestyle. So basically... Entrepreneur First um, brand themselves as a talent incubator, so they find 
clever people essentially and then put them all in a room together yeah. and tried to get them to come up with business ideas and then so basically the first eight months and I think it was a bit different for me and Yudi because we came into the programme knowing that we wanted to work together but the majority of people just come in alone either with an idea or you don't even have to have an idea just some kind of talent <laughs> um, <laughs> and then um, they just kind of put you all together and then people talk to each other and then they ideate together and then they so it's kind of like a speed dating <laughs> people describe it like people get together start working on something then they may realize oh this is an amazing idea we're going to carry on working together on this or they might realise, wow, actually, this is a terrible idea. <laughs> and then just run, they yeah. just like split up and then they'll move on to their next like victim. <laughs> oh no, I should say partner. Yeah, um, And then, yeah, so that process happens for the first eight weeks. Then at the end of that period, if you are working with someone, you move on to the next stage. But if you don't have... A partner at that point then you kind of leave the program oh, oh my god it's like that happened <laughs> well. it's like forever alone no <laughs> i mean <laughs> there are obviously other options you know may, maybe you just for whatever reason just doesn't work out you know may, maybe because you know each cohort's different and it's got a different group of people so you know perhaps one cohort's just there's not someone that's going to suit your specific skill set in the most mm -hmm. productive way um, or you know whatever reason and then the next four or six weeks I think it's, it's meant to be four weeks but we had Christmas break in between um, <laughs> <laughs> basically the next four weeks you're then refining your business idea and working on like how you're going to present your business to the investment committee who you then pitch to them at the end of the four weeks well it's, it's not a pitch it's more like oh, a half hour <laughs> half hour conversation um, where they decide whether they want to give you money to carry on with your business idea or whether they for whatever reason don't don't like the idea or you know they don't they just don't want to give you money <laughs> Um, and then once that decision's made, so if they give you money, then you move on to the next part, which is another three months, and this is called launch, which is the phase that we're in now. Um, if you don't get the money, then um, some people carry on trying to find money elsewhere, or sometimes people just stop working on the idea and move on with their life. <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> But now, so at this point now, it's about, um, we have a, it's called Demo Day, and that's when we pitch to um, the investors in Entrepreneur First Network. And kind of all through this process, we have mentors who are giving us advice. Only um, <laughs> no Sam and Pippi. Yeah, how do you know that? Oh, oh because you remembered. Yeah, so I'm... Um, at different stages of the programme, you have different mentors. So our mentors for the first half were Sam and Pippi, and Pippi really helped with my communication skills. I don't Are know whether sure? you can yeah. tell. 
Hopefully, I'm not sure at this, at this point in time, whether it's obvious. Um, no, yeah, she, she really helped. Um, okay, Susanna, if you could, what would you change about human nature? This is our like signature question. Oh, really? I think actually this was a bit of um, a revelation to me. I was on the tube and um, so many people it, make revelations on the tube. I think there's something about when you're moving, but I don't know. You're not actually moving. You are moving, but you're still, yeah. That must yeah. be it. Um, no, it's like the rush hour, and I hate. I mean, normally I cycle everywhere, so I don't normally get a tube, but. For some reason, I'd left my bike somewhere, so I had to get the tube, and it was just horrific. It was obviously so busy, but the thing that kind of annoyed me the most is how unaware other people were that they could have just moved down a bit more in a tube to let more people on, and that made me realise, like, I don't know whether it's just a thing in London, but how, firstly, how people are just lacking self-awareness and how the lack of self-awareness just the result was them being selfish and not trying to help more people get onto the tube you know mm-hmm. like i would see it as you should try and be able to get as many people on the tube as possible like everyone <laughs> has somewhere to be like and, the, and this is the thing that annoyed me the most is like people would be sat on the chairs and they put their bags <laughs> on the floor so there's less space for people standing. It's like, you've already got a chair, and now you want to take up even more space by putting your bag on the floor. Oh, don't you're getting me angry. So why don't you just put your bag on your lap and let more people on the tube? And, and I don't I think this is just a, yeah. quite a sad reflection of our society that people just don't really give a shit about yeah. of the people around them. And I think that's what, you know, if, people actually cared a bit more about the person they see on the street that they didn't really know. I think that would just be a more kinder, generous, productive society. Um, what, any overarching thing you've learned? Um, I think I, I think sometimes there are things that you like don't really want to do, but you just have to do them. And then you just feel good afterwards when you do them so for instance at first sending out like cold emails and cold call I was like oh you know like I actually hate it when I receive these emails myself so that must be like so annoying to these people but you know when I did it actually and you know you get such a positive response and people are you realize people are actually friendly and people want to help you out yeah then I'm just like yeah, like that was actually quite nice. Like, yeah, you um, said um, a cool thing in your article. It was per- perspiration is more key than uh, inspiration. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I guess being an entrepreneur, it's like, I mean, I'm sure there's like so many people out there that will have amazing ideas, but I don't know probably only like 1% are actually going to do something about those ideas Mm. because it's, you know, to be courageous is, you know, the first step is actually to take action and most of us probably won't even take action. (laughs) So why do you think that is? um, I think it feels like there's a lot of uncertainty, you know, it's like, and also I think people are 
generally creatures of habit if mm. they're used to living in one way and they have a job their life is going in one direction it takes a lot of energy and effort to change that direction and you know move from something that you're doing you're probably like kind of comfortable like life's okay <laughs> do I really need to say anything about this <laughs> you know yeah. actually making that switch is quite dramatic and um yeah it takes a lot of courage to actually do something about your idea um I was thinking that but don't you think it's so like contrary to like um like what evolution might might suggest that our instincts would be right because like things have changed so much for us like we constantly progressing and like yeah if if there is like this inertia to like change things you would assume that we would kind of still be in a cave <laughs> you know right i was thinking it's quite it's quite paradoxical but yeah, yeah. I, I guess but then if you think about this like time period of like technological evolution it's like such a long time and um, most of these things change over a long time period I mean I think the past like 50 years has been unprecedented in the amount of technological <laughs> change we've seen you know just from well like when I was growing up you know now everyone has a mobile phone and when I was a teenager that was just starting to become the norm for people mm. so everyone has their own mobile phone and that's completely changed the way we, we live but you know mobile phones were first invented in what like the 70s so really that is a long time before you know yeah, society adapted to that and it's because of the actions of you know a small group of people which then motivate other people to also take action that things will change but the majority of people aren't really doing anything they're just changing their <laughs> life because of things you know yeah, like, so it's actually only really you know a few people that are changing our lives um, <laughs> except that okay Susanna we're rounding down now because <laughs> I honestly think my editor will hate me but um, okay ready three questions how can students get involved in your business any way they can? They're probably not very. Um, it's quite a hard one. Um, no, I think like if if you're interested in our business in some way, like definitely get in touch. Um, obviously, we don't have loads of money at the moment, but you know if oh. you want to do like some kind of internship or something. You know, any any kind of extra resource and things, yeah. like why would I ever say no to that? <laughs> like, yeah, hopefully, yeah. hopefully now I don't get like a slice of you know, I, I don't know what that you're happens. gonna get. <laughs> no joke. You know, if you are like genuinely interested and you're passionate, like you know, I think it's really important to foster that energy and you know, we're coming up with a great person. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like cool. get in contact. And if you want to get involved, there are some things which aren't like lab based, which people could do that could help with the business. So, you know, hit me Susanna up. Susanna Evans, LinkedIn. Okay, cool. Do you have a question that you'd like to leave listeners with? Um, I think. 
I'm guessing most of the listeners are going to be students, kind of. Mm. Um, I think a question to ask yourself is, you've got like 50 years of work ahead of you, assuming you don't get some illness or something. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so you're going to have like 50 years probably at least of work ahead of you and you know retirement age is constantly going up um I think you know what can you do with your skills and your life that's going to make the biggest positive impact in the world that's what I would ask yourself and then if you think you're on the right path now then keep going but if you think actually what I'm doing is useless then you know you're definitely not too young to completely change what you're doing um so yeah like for instance you know when people do postgraduate medicine like people sometimes start that when they're like 25 like wow yeah I think if you yeah so just think about how you're going to make the biggest impact with your 50 years Thanks, Susanna. <laughs> it was an absolute pleasure to have you on. <laughs> I hope I just like rambled. Well, this episode is finally over. Thanks to all of you who stuck it out and tune in next time for more delicious content.